0: Welcome to 28 and Searching. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I have Gideon Coleman with me. Thank you, Gideon, for coming on my show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you currently living? How old are you? How long have you been in your career? That sort of thing.
1: I live in Washington, D.C. I am 38, and I've been coaching professionally for six years I have to do the math here. It's <laughs> 2017. I think the first time I did any kind of uh, coaching, first time I encountered coaching was 2008. So coming up on a decade wow. of coaching.
0: Okay. And so what exactly is your job title and what does it mean? What do you do?
1: I help people figure out where they want to go, how they're going to get there. And what is in their way that they need to overcome. And that's pretty much it. And it takes all kinds of different shapes and it's different for everyone. But I think that's the most simple way to put it.
0: Sure. So, is it considered, are you considered a life coach?
1: I've come to recognize that all good coaching is getting people from point a to point b Mm -hmm. and just because of the clientele i work with i've been calling myself an executive coach because that just resonates and you know it's strengthening their executive functions and um helping them succeed, uh, usually these days, in their executive roles.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And what's the name of the company that you... Is it your company that you're working for? Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that that would be a good thing to add, yes. Uh, (laughs) I I run K Street Coaching. I ran Gideon Coleman Coaching. It was something that I did out of my home, and uh, I was doing it over the phone for years and years and years, and then I had a young child who stayed at home and screamed a lot and it just made it impossible so I got an office in downtown Washington DC right on K Street and shortly afterwards, I had this epiphany and talked to a trademark lawyer. And I was like, can you look up K Street coaching? Does anybody have K Street coaching? And nobody had K Street coaching. And uh, shortly thereafter, I had K Street coaching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, it was meant to be, right? <laughs> yes. Perfect. And how, how did you kind of get to that point? Like, how, how did you get to the point where first you were working at home and then you worked out of it? What kind of led you to become an executive coach? Before
1: that, I had spent several years working in international development. I'd worked for contractors that did work for USAID and the State Department. And most of the work that I did was stateside. It was here in Washington, D.C., and I realized that there were people around me who were clearly cut out for the work that we were doing. And while I was okay at it, it didn't get me up in the morning. and mm-hmm. I imagined doing it for 30 more years, and I felt desperate. And so for a few years, I didn't know what to do, but there was this sense of dread that just kept growing and growing and growing. And I knew I wanted to help people. That's how I ended up uh, in foreign assistance. But it took me realizing that I just wanted to see the people I was helping. I wanted to have direct contact with the beneficiaries of my work. And so I needed to do something else. And during that time, I would encountered coaching, thought it was amazing, but knew that you couldn't make any money doing it. So I thought, oh, this is not something you can do professionally. And then I met professional coaches who were making money doing it. And that changed my tune. And so I jumped into a year-long coach training program, accomplishment coaching, mm-hmm. that I did on the side. So it was, you know, weekends and evenings. And during that time, I, I started to build up a little clientele. And then I was crazy enough to take the plunge and pursue it as a full-time uh, profession.
0: Very cool. And so did you use coaches before you actually became a coach? Sure did. Okay. Okay. And yeah. so you've kind of found it beneficial by using them. And that's how you kind of realized where you kind of wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so you said you went to, um, you went to a coaching, it's a training program. Uh, was that, was that beneficial to you? Do you, would you do it again that way or?
1: I, would highly recommend to anyone who's interested in pursuing coaching as a profession to complete a um, an accredited coach training program uh, that is accredited by the International Coach Federation, just as a matter of professional integrity um, to uh, maintain standards. Mm-hmm. The reason I say that is that at this point in time, there is no legal requirement. You know, in the, in the same way that you would not be able to um, hang out your shingle as an attorney uh, without passing the bar. Yeah, you, you can do that as a coach, and there are some very mixed results. And so, I'm a staunch advocate of actually going through some rigorous training if coaching is a profession that tickles your fancy.
0: Sure. And do you think that having that um, coaching certification or other training that you can tell people, you know, that makes you look like you're more professional? Do you think that helps you gain clientele?
1: Uh, No. (laughs) I mean, yes and no. Okay. The, the, Simple truth is that even though I hold a uh, coaching credential from the International Coach Federation, it's rare that anyone actually asks about it.
0: Okay, <laughs> so it's more for you than for them.
1: Well, it, it's it's a couple of things. So so there are people who ask about it, and here in Washington D.C., especially if you're looking at working with federal agencies. Um. More and more people are asking about it because the International Coach Federation is it provides a guarantee. It provides a guarantee of the quality of someone's work, but the reality of the market outside of um, larger organizations is that most people have never heard of the. International Coach Federation and don't Mm -hmm. care. So it really is just a matter of um, networking, providing uh, really great work that people talk about and, and having them refer you based on that or having them refer me based on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so are are, are there any other, like, do you, do you recommend like a bachelor's or a master's? Cause I know that it's not necessary for it, but a lot of times when people go into different consulting gigs or, um, things where they're on their own, they have those credentials so that they look more legitimized, um, than if they don't have it. So do you think those are also something that would benefit or do they not matter as well?
1: Well, the, questions you're asking seem to get to the heart of appearances, you know, how mm-hmm. how you appear to prospective clients. And appearances aside, it really matters, you know, what game you bring to the table. Sure. So if you're pursuing a, a certain clientele that really want someone who's highly educated maybe has a business background you have to bring everything that they're looking for to the table i think one of the things that is has always worked to my advantage is that i have a raging curiosity so i just learn a lot about a lot of things and it's very rare that i'll enter a conversation and get stumped because i just happen to be very very curious sure love uh talking shop with anyone about just about anything but if but that doesn't connect you know that that faculty doesn't connect um with someone who's looking for um I'm, i'm trying to think of a a really good example you know if Mm -hmm. if you need to work with someone who is a woman has you know decades of experience doing a certain type of work I'm just never going to be that person so I think that um what I'm trying to say is people (laughs) will look for something in a coach and and whatever that thing is you gotta have that
0: Sure. So it's knowing your market, basically. So if people want to go into this, they need to kind of know where they're wanting to go with it, who they're wanting to help so that they can cater to that type of person.
1: That's exactly right. And you can have a a very clear idea of that at the outset, and then experience will um, buffet you around a little bit, and and you'll learn some new angles that you wouldn't have thought of on your own.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody's looking into becoming a coach, what would be a good Mm -hmm. starting point or an entry-level job that they could take on that would give them the skill set that they need to be successful in coaching?
1: Wow. I'm trying to think of a good job that would prepare you to be successful in coaching. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to answer that quest a question not head on and then head on okay a lot of people who are attracted to coaching really like to help people and they are driven by a sense of altruism and these people are caring and i think a mistake that we often make at the outset is thinking that we can help people well a good coach isn't there to do that. A good coach is there to help people really level with themselves, sure. hear their own thinking, often for the very first time. And so in my own experience, I had to disabuse myself of the notion that it was pretty arrogant that I knew better or that what I was... Seeing might be beneficial for someone even mattered. So you have to unlearn having opinions about someone else's situation. You really have to just be there for them. Yeah. And I don't know what kind of job can prepare you for that. I'm not saying that that job doesn't exist, there are probably all kinds of jobs that can do it, but I, I never had one like that before I got into coaching.
0: Okay. So if we personalize it a bit, what do you think is the job that you've had that would have maybe something that prepared you to maybe reevaluate how you thought about things?
1: It wasn't uh, uh, a full time job, but it was sure. uh, a volunteer thing that I did on the side for about a year, but I I was a TA for improv comedy classes. And I think that that was probably some of the best prep that I have ever had for coaching because it's really just meeting people where they're at. Yeah. If someone makes an offer, you have to uh, be supportive and keep building from where they're building.
0: Absolutely. Okay. That, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because improv is a skill set that not a lot of people have to begin with so that they need to build that. And you're saying that you need to take that sp- spontaneity, like that flexibility and apply it to coaching.
1: The, there's a spontaneity at its core, but it's a supportive spontaneity. It's a, it's a listening for listening keenly for what's happening in an interaction and being constructive with it yeah i think there are a few disciplines that i've been able to discern over the years that i'd lump together with improv like that and i think they're all tremendously beneficial as disciplines that will help you if you want to become a really solid coach. So, you know, in, in the realm of drama it's improv. In the realm of dance, it's Argentine tango. In the realm of music it's jazz. In the realm of self defense, it's Aikido. It's it's you know physical listening. Yeah. And being present and diverting energy. It's it's um it suffuses all of those disciplines and makes for really damn good coaching
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely I, i i could totally see that so what are some other personality traits that really benefit in the coaching environment
1: i mentioned altruism as a starting point i think that that's what gets you into the arena and you need so much more than that. I tell people that as a coach, my job is to be so curious about you that you can't help but be curious about yourself. So you need an infectious curiosity. And I talked about loving to learn things. Mm-hmm. You have to temper I've had to temper. I, I really need to use the first person <laughs> in this case, but I've had to temper uh, a need to be a know-it-all. So there's there's a, a a balance between erudition on the one hand and curiosity. I think the the line in the sand between consulting and coaching is a line of expertise, and you have to give up any pretense to expertise about someone and their life in order to be a good coach. Even if you think you know better, set that aside and just be there, be curious until, that, until the person that you're working with gets curious about their own situation. And when it's a thorny situation, when they think they know what's up and what's down and why things aren't going their way or why things should go a certain way, the only thing that can move them forward if they're stuck there and it seems intractable is curiosity
0: yeah and what what's the one po- portion of your personality that you think has given you the biggest upswing in coaching
1: that's a lovely question <laughs> I I can tell how lovely a question is by how stumped I am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One aspect of my personality that has given me a leg up in coaching, I think it's my ability, and and this gets back to the whole improv, tango, jazz, Aikido thing. My, Mm My ability to show up and not know, which is so good in a, in a chaotic situation when, when someone's life is turning upside down, it doesn't phase me. And I I get a rush out of, you know, going completely big picture, seeing, You know, the the entire landscape and oftentimes that's what someone needs. That's the kind of presence someone needs Mm -hmm. in a conversation in order to realize that whatever they're facing, there's a way forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so if we flip that and say, what do you think is the one thing that you've struggled with? Where either you've had to kind of change the way you do the the job, or change how you were to be able to fit into your career.
1: Oh, that's easy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> that that one. I can, I can answer really easily. It's it's a lackadaisical approach to business development. You really have to be on the ball. Sure. I'm, I'm so much more interested in connecting with people and having conversations that'll change their lives. Then, that that just grabs my fancy and will get me out of bed every morning. But the thought of having to turn those conversations into actual revenue, not so much.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I could see how that might be something that you would want to work on. Um, Mm Yeah, (laughs) yeah, okay. And
1: and (laughs) I've seen plenty of people. I mean, over the years, I've gotten a lot better at it but i've seen people take a running jump and fall flat on their faces because they think oh i'm a people person money will flock to me not so much
0: yeah i i definitely see um either side. A lot of people don't possess both, right? You have your very business-minded people and then you have your very people-oriented people and you need both to run a successful (laughs) endeavor, right? So it's, it's, I think that's a balance. Yeah. And I think some, a lot of people struggle with it. I mean, you hear, um, in a lot of the conversations I've done, people that own their own businesses, love what they do, hate all the paperwork.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, most people who have their own businesses get into it because they've found something that they know how to do really, really well. Mm-hmm. And they think, oh, since I do this really, really well, I should turn it into a business. Well, y- you've just inherited a couple of other jobs that you didn't have yes. before.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I think
1: you know the, the book The E-Myth Revisited, I can't remember the – name of the author right off the top of my head but he talks about you know technicians going out on their own and suddenly needing to be entrepreneurs and suddenly needing to be managers in addition Mm -hmm. to being the excellent technicians that they already are
0: yeah and it's definitely um it's a constant growth right because you you learn so much doing (laughs) doing whatever it is the part that you love you've got to learn all the stuff that comes with it yeah yeah and so what other, what what do you think is the one personality trait that would never work in a coaching scenario? Like if somebody has this personality trait, they should just walk away from doing this ever. <laughs> Thinking you know
1: what's best.
0: Mm-hmm. Thinking
1: you know what's best for another person. Thinking you know what's best for maybe even yourself. And not willing to... At not being willing to be surprised.
0: Sure. And that's that's strangely been a common theme in a lot of positions um, that I've noticed is that uh, knowing everything or having to be right is a detriment in a lot of jobs. So that would definitely be something that in coaching, if you're that type of person, this is probably not going to be a job that you will enjoy. Well, you may enjoy it, but,
1: but you won't be any good at it. Or, or even, if, if, even if you are making a difference for your clients, it's a difference that flies so close to the ground, you'll never explore the stratospheric heights that are available to you if you surrender that and adopt a raging sense of curiosity.
0: Sure. And uh, you've, uh, you've mentioned curiosity quite a bit. And so I'm assuming that that's going to be the driving factor, right? So that's going to be kind of what makes you um, maybe if somebody has that type of curiosity, where they want to learn about people or stories or everything that maybe they should look into coaching as a possible career path.
1: It's certainly a really good fit for People who are curious. There, there are many paths for the curious soul, but yeah, I, I think that this is one that, uh, for many, may be a good fit.
0: Okay. And so, if we're if we're talking about career path wise is there a ladder or a lateral move that you can make once you become a coach like do you have to have your own business can you go work for a company doing this is there a step up or a step sideways that you can kind of do where can you go once you decide you want to do this
1: what makes that question so interesting is that unlike a number of the professionals that I imagine you've interviewed, the coaching field is pretty new. So Mm. we are in the beginning stages of figuring out answers to that questions everywhere. Sure. The profession's been around for maybe three decades. And during that time, yeah, a lot of practitioners have been solo practitioners. But more and more there are internal coaches. One of the people I spoke to today, actually, is the person in charge of coaching for the Treasury Executive Institute, and she oversees coaching at 36 government agencies. And there are dozens, if not hundreds of people in these agencies who have undergone coach training internally. And it's just something that they offer to a few people, you know, maybe one or two people, one or two hours a week. And Mm -hmm. so we're, we're seeing all these new ways that coaching is showing up. I don't know that I would have imagined some of the things that some of the things like that that we're seeing now, even when I trained as a coach a little over six years ago.
0: Okay. And that kind of lends me to say if somebody is wanting to create their own path, that coaching, because of its relative newness, is a good option to kind of create something different because there's not a lot of stigmas, right? So there's not a lot of stipulations and... um, Stereotypes already surrounding you, so you can kind of break barriers with less um, less pullback than, say, like an accountant, right? Because they are are already set in what they do. So somebody who wanted to go into this could almost forge their own path.
1: Well, I I would agree with the conclusion you come to, but quibble with what you were saying about the no stigma attached to it. I think that most people readily see the value of an accountant. Mm, okay. There's, there, there's nothing that's up for grabs about a, a CPA that I can tell. But let's be honest, most people <laughs> um, think that coaching is some kind of punchline. Sure. And the people who actually have experienced really good coaching know that, no, it is not. But to get past the the stigma. I mean, it, it really has been a, a punchline in popular media for a while. There's, there's some stuff to overcome there.
0: Sure. Have you kind of seen the tide turning? Because I know that self-help has become – I mean, self-help sells millions of books, videos, conferences. I mean, you're looking at people like Tony Robbins who sells out all over the place and Gary Vee who's, you know, motivational. And they're not necessarily coaches per se because of the level they're at, but it's a similar industry. So do you think that it's changed since it's become more popular or have you guys not seen the benefit of that yet?
1: When I started out and not all that many years ago, the main obstacle that I found was that you know I'd say I'm a coach and people would say what's that? They had no idea what it was because they hadn't encountered a coach before. True. These days, that's not the case. These days, the main obstacle I seem to encounter is that some that people have had an experience with a coach and it wasn't necessarily a great one. So that's uh, uh, a different hurdle than the one that I originally faced. And and I'm, you know, happy to deal with whatever the landscape happens to actually be, but that's something I've noticed.
0: Sure. And so how, how do you kind of get over that? How do you how do you change the opinion of a bad experience to prove that you have value?
1: Well I don't force it. If someone doesn't want to be convinced otherwise, I'm not gonna. Yeah, makes
0: sense. But if
1: they do, just have a conversation that, within you know, a a few very short minutes, has them seeing things very differently and provides immediate value. And that's something that I'm pretty confident a, a solid coach can and will do.
0: Sure. Okay. And so, uh, would you say that th- that's one of the drawbacks, maybe, is that people already have this thought in their head of what you're going to be, and you have to kind of cross that, you know, cross that river before you can even start um, being of value?
1: People have prejudices about all kinds of things. Sure. and sometimes they're apparent and sometimes they're not And in this profession, recognizing that, you know, they're out there front and center, at least I don't have to pretend that it's anything other than that. You know, there, there will yeah. always be a, a challenge, uh, with some people, there isn't any room to, um, Surmount it, and sure. with others who are, you know, facing some kind of quandary, committed to moving forward and willing to take action to change their situation, um, it's very likely a slam dunk.
0: Okay, so what would you say some of the drawbacks are to your career choice?
1: Well, it's not a matter of. Uh, showing up every day and and the work just flowing in. You know, mm-hmm. I, have constant, I have to constantly I have to constantly prove myself and and bring in new clients. Um, the some of the things are challenges that are also really good. I mean, I, I'd say that. It's amazing to work with someone, have them accomplish what they want to accomplish, and then they move on. I want them to move on. Man, do I miss speaking to them because it's such a deep connection. Yeah. Uh, I I recently had uh, a client – well, actually, in the last few months, I've had uh, two clients – Um, And coaching engagements, and for each of them, it was the second one that we had had together. And the first one, in each case, helped them get out of jobs that they didn't like in Washington, D.C. And Mm -hmm. it's funny now that I'm comparing them, because both of them ended up in jobs that were much better fits, but still not perfect in California. No. <laughs> and, but when they you know, looked back on how they'd gone from completely dissatisfied to recognizing, wow, I can do something new, and then having gained a, a foothold in that new thing, and then said, hey, I'd like to enlist coaching services again, and then really just explore the boundaries of where their careers could go, where their lives could go, and be playful about it rather than fearful. You no, know, That's amazing. Yeah. And with both of them, I wouldn't be surprised if they come back to my practice a year or two from now with a whole different set of questions, knowing that their reality is quite malleable and eager to see what they can do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What has been your worst day of your career so far?
1: Um, there, there are a couple ways to answer that. So <laughs> I, I was overcome by a fit of hubris when I... Before I had um, jumped out on my own and you know, I, I had a few coaching clients that I was moonlighting with while I was working my last full-time job and I was doing the math in my head. And it's like, if, if I can make this much with four extra hours a week, uh, imagine what would happen if I didn't have my day job in the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I gave notice and then within the next, I don't know, 24, 48 hours. So did all of the clients that I've
0: Oh, no. <laughs> and I
1: was like, oh, yeah. So I, I had to uh, deal with that. And it, I think it was the perfect introduction to um, recognizing that when you're out on your own, uh, you're out on your own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and another answer to that question is is less shocking and, and more bittersweet I've had I, I've gotten to know hundreds of people and what makes them tick and and what holds them back and I think you know when <laughs> the 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 day we're recording this interview, um, social media has uh, just gone crazy with that Me Too meme for mm-hmm. women who've faced um, sexual abuse or sexual harassment, and when when I've been a confidant in a woman client's life, and you know had to. Witness side by side with them some of the things that they're going through, and they wonder if they're crazy. And, you know, I I have to say that, you know, based on my experience of them, no, but they've been told for years to not trust their judgment, to take what they know to be true and you know, have it refuted by people who just do that casually and maliciously, Mm -hmm. it hurts to see that. And I'm not even finding the right words because it's just heartbreaking and miserable to see that beautiful people who are you know, sharp, insightful, have, have had their, um, wits, their, their hearts dulled by, um, people who make light of other people.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I'd assume with, I mean, you get really close to people that anytime they go through hardships, that it probably affects you, um, to some degree.
1: Sure. It does. Sure. It does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what if we flip that? What's going to be your best day so far of your career?
1: I am thinking of a day where I took a look at um, a note card that I'd written out. I'd made some declarations about things that I wanted to accomplish with my life. And they seemed so hard to accomplish. They they seemed like such remote and distant possibilities and not within reach. Things like getting married, things like becoming a dad, and... They they seemed so out of reach when I wrote them down, but then I remember, you know, looking at this card after I had accomplished each of those, well ahead of schedule. Thinking, yeah. Wow, how did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> but I did, yeah.
0: Okay. And so what are some of the benefits of your career choice? What are some of the things that would make somebody choose this career path over anything else?
1: Falling deeply in love with humanity by... Working so closely and having such intimate conversations with people and and recognizing um, just how beautiful it is to be alive.
0: Sure. So a constant reminder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A, A constant reminder of the urgency and preciousness of life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What do you love most about what you do?
1: What I love most is this. When people first come to see me, first speak to me when they're curious about coaching, when they're curious about whether talking to someone can actually make their lives go differently than they've been accustomed to having them go. It's, it's a very common refrain refrain. Everyone wants to make a difference Mm -hmm. Uh, and some people will, and some people won't, but when they decide that they're going to work with me as a coach they're pretty much guaranteeing that they will, A, make a much bigger difference, um, much more clearly in line with the difference they want to be making than they were doing before, and B, they're going to start peeling back onion layers. We We imagine what we want to do until we actually try doing it. You're seeing that Process unfolding right now as you develop this podcast. You probably had a, a very clear picture of what you thought it was going to be before you started, and um, you, you've had technical difficulties and screw ups and. <laughs> People coming out of the woodwork to support you, and, and it's just not what you imagine, but it's so much richer because you're actually trying it. Does that sound accurate? Yeah,
0: that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> it's definitely been a ride, that's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. And for, for anyone uh, hoping to accomplish anything, it's going to be a ride. And I'm very, very wary of anyone trying to sell... Anyone on the idea of a, a blissful, tranquil life? Because in my experience, that's not what life is made of. Yeah. In fact, if I'm gonna sell you anything, it's the idea that if we're gonna put out fires in your life, we're putting out smaller fires so that you can focus your energy on on fighting the big ones, the, mm-hmm. the challenges that are. Um, you know, worthy of your energy, worthy of your, um, of your focus.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would completely agree. That's one of, uh, one of my goals with the podcast. That's why I ask those hard questions, like, you know, personal things where what's your worst day and, you know, what traits do you need to work on? Because I want people to realize that you can still love what you do and there's still pieces that are hard. Um, That doesn't take that away. It makes it more so. Yeah. So I would agree with that 100%. Uh, yeah. So what... How did your life change when you found the career you loved, when you found this?
1: I remember day about five years ago, maybe a little over five years ago, shortly after I'd left my last job. And I was walking up Connecticut Avenue here in Washington, D.C. in the middle of the day, uh, didn't have any appointments. And anyone that I was thinking of talking to, I felt like I couldn't reach out to because they were busy with their job and what right did I have to um, interrupt them in the middle of their day. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a mini panic attack during which I realized just how much up until that point, I had taken shelter behind any school that I was at. I had taken shelter behind any company that had employed me, these institutions had provided an aegis or a tortoise shell. Mm -hmm. And suddenly that was gone. I was naked and I had to define myself. And so that process of self-definition has been an ongoing one. I don't think it's ever going to be over, but I'm very clear that no institution is going to uh, lend me credibility. I have to make it up myself, and you know, m- make it up is is a dicey way of putting it because you, you can't be fast and loose with it. You have to really back up everything you make up sure. because people uh, come to trust you based on how you engage with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what's do you have any expansion plans right now? Anything in the works? Anything going on like that?
1: Since the 2016 elections I've been much more focused on being of service to federal employees who are concerned about their own path forward. Um, DC is a city that was not particularly supportive of the current president in the last election, mm-hmm. and I think less so than any other municipality in the United States. So it's a real culture shock for a town that is very well educated, very smart, full of dedicated people who have devoted their lives to improving the world. And they are up against some really tough challenges right now. And helping them sort through their own commitments, figure out whether to stay on their job, whether they can make a, a bigger difference for the country outside of the job has become... A, a singular focus. And I've ended up working with people from a variety of departments, a variety of agencies, and it's it feels really good to be of service to them.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we've kind of broken down what it means to be a coach, um, kind of your processes. I've just got a few more questions. What did you want to be when you were a kid?
1: I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a two-year-old right now, and he's big into anything with a siren. And I do remember <laughs> phases in which I wanted to drive any kind of vehicle that had a siren. But after that, I mean, so many different things, a writer, psychologist, uh my mother had a long career as an artist, so there were years that I wanted to be an artist as well.
0: Sure, okay. So you you were the same kind of the curiosity thing. You were going for all of it.
1: <laughs> I've always been a dilettante. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I can relate. So to completely understand. Um, yeah. What is the best piece of business advice that you've received?
1: The best piece of business advice that I've received, received rather than taken, right?
0: Yeah. Well, because, you know, sometimes <laughs> you don't realize how good the advice is until after you disregarded it.
1: Um, I remember... In my last job, attending a small business association panel that my old boss was speaking at, mm-hmm. and she was really adamant about the need to make a profit in business, but not to maximize profit, not to, um, you know, cut off a limb to spite yourself. Yeah. Because you're being greedy. So don't maximize profit.
0: Sure. Okay. And what is the one thing you would say to someone who is currently discouraged in their career?
1: It's going to happen. I'd say it's going to happen. It's normal. And... It would perhaps be hasty to try and force it to be anything other than what it is, but, um, in time, think about how you'd like it to be and, um, muster whatever you need to muster to make it how you'd like it to be.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Gideon, for coming on my show.
1: You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me.
0: If you like this episode or you're looking to change your career, go to 28andsearching.com or become a patron to get exclusive content sent directly to you. See you next week.